but it was so true. I mean, you know, Lord, God of the Spirit, Lord, I don't even know all the words, but I know this part that it said, when you come into the room, when you can do only what you can do, it changes us to see what you want us to see. And I believe that summarizes my whole message. I'm going to preach tonight what he's wanting to do in this place. Then not only that, not that, but then he, by demonstration, through Sister Deborah right there, that's what he wants to do to everyone in this place tonight. She set the example, and God has, has a plan for this night, and God is here to do his work. But I just want to encourage you tonight. This message is intended to encourage you to be a, a message of encouragement. If it don't encourage nobody but myself, it'll be worth preaching tonight. Praise the name of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, I'm not going to read this chapter to you. It's a long chapter. It's a very familiar passage, but I do encourage you to read it another time. But we're going to talk about a lot of things that's in this chapter tonight. And uh, I want us to begin by praying. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come tonight in the precious name of Jesus Christ. You have a plan for this service. It's an appointed time, God. It's by divine appointment, Lord. You have a desire tonight in your heart for your people, God, Lord. You love us beyond measure, Father, Lord. And it's your desire to do good for our hearts tonight, God. And I pray that this word tonight, dear God, will come down and penetrate our hearts and revive our spirits, O oh Lord, once again, Father, Lord. I bind the enemy, Father, right now. And, Father, I pray that you release this church to be able to indulge the word tonight, God, Lord, and to hear it, Father, Lord, that your will may be done in this place. And everybody said, amen. Okay, I want to begin to talking about, I'm going to begin in chapter in 18, but I'm going to be shifting some gears in the middle of this thing. But I want to begin to, by this point. God has a vision for every church. God looked down on Popper Bluff, Missouri, and he had a plan for Popper Bluff, Missouri. And God wanted churches in this town. And God has appointed leaders, ministers of the gospel to be heads of the churches here. And God has placed our pastor in this church for a reason. And he's placed you in this church for a reason. And he's done it all strategically. And not only has he done that, God has given our pastor a vision for this church. And many have caught it. Some still have it. After 31 years of him pouring it into this congregation, but I'm here to tell you, you better be praying, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, because I want to see you. Because until you see him, you won't see this vision. Because the vision is all about him. It's not about us. Our vision is just a small part of his big plan. But every part of his plan is important to his plan. In my spirit, I believe we're at the place in time when it's about to come to pass. Closer than we've ever been. I feel like the servant of Elijah. We are to the point that I can declare to you who have been waiting on it, I can declare there arises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. With my physical eye, I can see something moving. I can see something changing. And the promise is on the way. Get ready. Prepare yourselves for the rain. I prophesy the rain is coming like the man of God has declared. 
These were the words of Elijah's servant after he had saw what the man of God was shown by God. Folks, over and over, week after week, you're hearing a word after word. You're hearing minister after minister prophetically speaking to us God's plan for this hour. God always has a purpose for his plan to accomplish something in his kingdom for the kingdom through his kingdom. And it's been prophesied God's going to deposit his glory amongst us over and over. Well, let me say when God sends his glory, he does it through two ways, preparation and progression. We see this pattern established when David went to bring the Ark of the Covenant, the glory back to Israel. In his first attempt, he failed. He tried to do it his way. He was unprepared. But in his second attempt, he got it right, and the glory returned back to Israel. Now, how, how did he do that? Well, the first thing he done, he prepared a place, and he prepared the people for it. Then how did it come? Like God had instructed it was carried on the shoulders of the priests, six steps, and a sacrifice. Church, not until we prepare a place and ourselves will the glory return. And the glory is going to be ushered in on the shoulders of men of God who have paid the price with their lives and their love for the Lord, saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost. And it will come progressively, six steps and a sacrifice, six steps and a sacrifice. It's God's desire to deposit his glory in our midst. He has placed this in your pastor's heart, and we are revealing it through God's word. We got to get a hold of this. And God sent me tonight to tell this congregation, it's time for the servants of God to see what God has shown the man of God. In the book of Kings, chapter 17, God told Elijah, go tell King Ahab that it's not going to rain anymore until I say so. Most of you know this story. Why? He and his wife Jezebel had led the people to come wrapped up in idolatry, worshiping the idol Baal, known as the God of the rain. And as God had said it, Elijah spoke it to the king of Ahab. And over, and over time, famine came upon the land due to the lack of rain. And God was showing them he was the God of the rain, not some chunk of stone. In chapter 18 of Kings, three years later, God sends Elijah back to face King Ahab. And on the way back to see him, he runs into Obadiah. And he tells him to go tell the king that he's back and he wants to meet with him. And upon telling him, King Ahab goes to meet with Elijah. Elijah challenges the king and his bell worshipers to a showdown on Mount Carmel, unlike any other. He does this to once and for all destroy the works of the enemy. That had brought the curse upon the land. Most know how it went. 850 bell prophets versus Elijah with God on his side and Bell on their side. The rules, whoever called down fire from heaven and their God answered by sending fire down from heaven and burning up their sacrifice, that's the God we would all serve. Well, the Bell prophets went first, and they begin their chanting and their dancing and everything they could to try to get the fire to fall from their, from their God. And they continued, the Bible says, all day long, nothing was happening and then finally, they begin just to cut their cells and let blood run down their arms, hoping that their God would respond out of their suffering. They went all the day long, and nothing happened. Then it became Elijah's turn. Elijah built an built a altar with 12 stones, and then he put the wood on there, and then he put his, had him put his animal sacrifice on, sacrifice on there, and then he bit, dug a trench around it, and then he, began, said, he said, pour water on my sacrifice. So they soaked it. 
enough that it even filled up the trench around, around the altar. And then Moses, I mean, sorry, Elijah then sat down and he began to pray and he began to call upon his God. And immediately the fire came down from heaven, burned up his offering, not only his sacrifice offering, but also licked up all the water. And at that point, the people realized who was the real God. It was Elijah's God. It's the same God that we serve. It's our God. And, and people began to, began to fall down and, and bow down. But then Elijah looked at the Baal prophets. And then he had the bell prophets slayed. They were evil, and he got rid of them. And then after he does that, then the Bible goes on to say that, that Elijah sat down for a moment after this battle on the mountain. And then Elijah tells King Ahab, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. In other words, get off this mountain now. You better take that chariot and go now while you still can. It's fixing to rain, not a sprinkle, but a gully washer. Then Elijah resides and he prays. And then he sends his servant to walk to the edge of the mountain and look over the sea and towards the sky and declare to him what he sees. And the servant, upon looking, returns to Elijah. And Elijah asks his servant, what do you see? He said, I see nothing. He sent him. He said, go look again. Six times he sent him. And six times he saw nothing. But on the seventh time, Looking, he returns to tell Elijah what he saw. He said, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. He just saw what God had already spoken to Elijah. Now get this right there. It wasn't until it got from the man of God down to the servant of God that it came to pass. What am I saying? When God gives a man of God a vision or a word, it will not come to pass until it gets from the head down to the feet. Why? Because until it gets to the feet, church, it can't go nowhere. Until it gets to the feet, you can't run with it. When it got to the servant, he ran down off the mountain shouting, it's going to rain. When, when Aaron was anointed, the oil was poured on his head, and it ran down his face. Then it ran down his beard, and then it ran down his robe, and then it ran down to his feet. And it's the same in the church. The church is a body. When God gives the church a vision, it starts at the head and it goes down to the feet. In other words, I'm trying to say, until it runs down from the men of God to the service of God, it's not coming to pass. God can speak it to his mind. He can hear it in his ears. It can settle in his heart. And out of the abundance of his heart, though, the mouth speaks to where the pastor sees it, the council sees it, the staff sees it, the director sees it. But until it gets from the front row to the back row, which means for us to fulfill the vision that God has placed in and before us. And we got to be obedient like Elijah's servant and keep seeking and keep believing in the vision. God has given the man of God. Keep looking for it, seeking for it. It took him seven times to see it. It took faith. It took obedience. It took persistence. It took trusting the man of God. Every vision from God is for an appointed time, whether it's four days, four years, or 40 years. In Habakkuk 2, God told Habakkuk, write the vision. Make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. Remember what I said? You can't run until it gets to the feet. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. 
but at the end it shall speak. And it's time for it to speak. It's time for it to happen. It's time to be obedient to the word of God. Notice the servant. Unlike when Elijah had told Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army, in order to be healed of leprosy, he must go to the Jordan River and dip in it seven times. This servant was not told how many times he was going to have to look. He just went in obedience to the man of God. Yet the captain struggled with his instructions, full of skepticism, even knowing how many times he had to do it. Unlike Elijah's servant, he went immediately as commanded, full of faith. He believed in the man of God. That's a true servant, just obeying the man of God. No matter how long it took, no matter how many times he was told to do this. Why? He believed in the man of God, therefore he believed in the vision. Unlike so many today, the man of God speaks as God has instructed him to the body, instructing, prophesying to them of God's will. And if it don't happen by tomorrow, doubt and unbelief set in, causing them not to be willing to go through the necessary preparation or the process, not willing to wait on the promise or make the sacrifices necessary. Why? Because they don't see the vision. That's not a true servant. I believe it's time for our vision to speak. Why do I believe now more so than 21 years ago? Because now I see spiritually a cloud the size of a man's fist. I believe the reign of the Holy Ghost is coming, and I believe it's on its way. Amen? Hallelujah. The promise of God is in the last days, what? I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And I believe we are living in the last days because when I read my word, it describes these days we are now living in. I now see what the word said 2,000 years ago coming to pass today. And I've come to declare to you we are on the verge of something. But the problem we are facing is the words that God spoke to me. For so many is, little do you know. Little do you know. Too many don't know where we're at. We are at the little do you know days. God's wanting to break out in a corporate manifestation and a demonstration of his power to those who are prepared to receive it. Yet all too often we're so consumed with our circumstances, by our afflictions and our turmoil and the cares of life that the enemy has stirred up in our midst to distract and discourage us, that we can't see the forest for the trees. It's been a long season for us, one thing after another, to where we have developed a preconceived outcome of our situations. Have you ever read a narrated story? What I mean by that, you read it, and then, all, then the guy comes in and interjects the narrations. Where the characters in the story were facing a situation that looked bleak, hopeless, no way out situations, where even it looked like lights out for them. But then the narrator would come on and he would write, he would say these words, but little did they know. Help is on the way. They were so caught up in their circumstances, they had done preconceived their outcome and it wasn't good. But little did they know. Know what? Something good is about to happen. Hallelujah. I could stop preaching right there. It would be enough said to make my point tonight. But because it didn't get the reaction it should have from you 
or build your faith as it should have when so many of you have preconceived outcomes of your situations that aren't good. So I've got to say more. I've got a lot of work to do here. And you all wonder how come we preach so long. Because we got to fight your enemy first before we never get through to you so many times. Because the enemy of doubt and unbelief and oppression and depression and skepticism is trying to stand in between you and this word. But I got news for him. It's not going to work this night. Because his word is sharper than a two-edged sword. So as I speak this word, it will pierce through to your heart. Those storybook characters were so caught up in their circumstances that lasted too long and brought so much grief and sorrow to the point they developed a preconceived negative outcome that they were going to fail, that they were going to lose, or they were even going to die. Well, let me turn that statement towards you and ask you, as a believer, with God on your side, do you have a preconceived outcome of your current circumstances? Do you believe you're going to fail? Do you believe you're going to lose this battle or even going to die due to your circumstances? Yet God says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper that you're made more than a conqueror, that what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it into your good. He's the Lord God that healeth thee, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God shall raise up a standard. He promised he's your very present help in times of trouble. Come on. I bet for most of us, there was a time you believed in a preconceived negative outcome of your situation, but little did you know that God was going to show up and show himself strong on your behalf. Had it not been for the Lord on your side, if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet and testify with your praise that God changed your situation. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise. We can break this thing. Hallelujah. 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 So what's the problem? Time. The length of the struggle. It wears you down along with your faith. It's one thing to believe he can do those things when it's not happening to you. But it's another thing to believe it when it's happening to you. We want out of our struggles, and we want out now. And as time passes, though, we become skeptic, which leads to doubt. Due to the length of the time you endure, you begin to believe it's over for you. You're going to lose. That this vision is not going to happen. You don't see no cloud yet, just your seemingly endless circumstances. Well, God sent me to tell you to tell this body, little do you know. God told Abraham, take Isaac on a mountain. Offer him as a sacrifice of worship unto me. Abraham, hearing God's voice, he obeyed. He woke up early the next morning, took his son with him as commanded to offer him up. Here he was taking his son to literally sacrifice him. Do you not think he had an already preconceived ideal of the outcome? That if he does what God says, it's over for his son? What would have been yours? What would have been your ideal of the situation? Well, most of us would have never done it because of our preconceived outcome, even if God said it. Because most of us would have never been that obedient to do it, if we're honest. But little did he know that all the way up to the point 
of laying the knife on his son's throat. While he was going up one side, a ram was coming up the other. God speaks up and says, hold on. Because of your obedience, I sent a lamb. Little did he know. Well, let's also talk about the little lady who had been afflicted by Satan, causing her body to be painfully crippled for 18 years. She struggled to walk down that old cobblestone street. Week after week, year after year, faithfully every Sunday morning to the house of worship, regardless of her circumstances, faithfully going to church to pray and worship the God who could heal her but hasn't yet. Yet she still loved God. Do you not think she could have come to a preconceived ideal of her outcome after 18 years? She's not going to be healed? But little did she know that this Sunday, say Sunday, this Sunday was going to be unlike any other Sunday. Say it with me like you believe it. This Sunday was going to be like any other Sunday. Little did she know, though, while she was going in the front door, Jesus was coming in the back door. Hallelujah. And as she stood there, lifting her hands to praise God the best she could, Due to the pain of her twisted spine that Satan himself had afflicted her with, little did she know this was the day of her appointment with God. Didn't I tell you there's an appointed time and God always keeps his appointments? Jesus sees her and he calls her out of the crowd and he lays hands on her and declares, Woman, thou art loosed. And she was immediately healed and set free from the bondage of Satan. Hallelujah. Little did she know, and little do you know, this could be your day of your appointment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I've come to tell you, regardless of your circumstances, your situations, your affliction, little do you know what God has in store for you. And if I can get this message from this front row all the way back there to that back row back there that's on, that you're on the verge of something, that the church is on the verge of something, then God is going to do what he's been longing to do corporately. God wants everyone to see this vision and to run with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And that tonight God wants you to see a little cloud arising out of the sea the size of a man's hand. The reason we're seeing churches as dry as cornfields is for the same reasons Ahab saw a famine in his land. Idolatry is emerging in the world, as it always has, turning a nation from God. You know, I'm thankful that our economy is turning around again so many people can prosper. But I pray it's not at the cost of many who will begin to feel like they no longer have a need for God. That has happened all too often throughout history in the times of prosperity. Too many people allow too many other things to become their gods. Anything or anyone who comes before God Almighty is an idol. Therefore, it makes you an adulterer. We all must be honest with ourselves tonight. Where are we at spiritually? What are our priorities? What does come first in our life? What gets most of your attention? How faithful are you to the things of God? How faithful are we to the house of God? 
You see, a committed church that is committed to the cause of Christ will be a healthy cornfield, green and vibrant. What turns a dry church? What turns a dry member? Or what turns a dry cornfield healthy? A healing rain. And a lot of you have been dry for so long. You have not seen what the man of God is seeing. You haven't been able to run with it yet. Why? Because spiritual famine is in your life. But little do you know tonight, help is on the way. You got marriage problems, little do you know. You got financial problems, little do you know. You got health problems, little do you know. You got family problems, little do you know. You got job problems, little do you know. That tonight God is here tonight wanting to rain on you a healing rain. And church, it is time for the vision to speak. It's time for the church to run with it. It's time to get it from the head to the feet. It's time for this dry cornfield to become a beautiful, ripe crop again. And God's not going to just rain on a few. He's going to rain down on many. So get yourself ready. Now, many of y'all may be wondering why I used a cornfield as an analogy tonight. Because of a vision, I heard Sister McWilliams speak. Many of y'all know Sister McWilliams, a very precious lady of God. She shared it with me probably 15 years ago at the Ninth and Cedar Church, which was our first location. Visions are for appointed times, and I believe God keeps all of his appointments. I believe God showed her something then for now. I, like many of you, I knew she talked to God, and I knew God talked to her without a doubt. Her vision was for the church. I listened when that woman spoke. I'll never forget that day I was preaching concerning the state of the church. And she stood up and she shared a vision she had. She said, Brother Randy, God showed me a cornfield that had turned severely brown and looked ravaged. The stalks were falling over. And God told her, this is my church from my point of view. And like her, she said, she began to weep and intercede for it. But then she said, right before her eyes, she said she's seen it begin to rain. And all those withered stalks begin to raise up and stand tall again and begin to turn green again and healthy looking again. And as the rain fell upon it, then God told her, this is what the, spirit, the rain of my spirit will do for my church. So for those of you who don't have much hope for the church, don't you fret no more. This is God's church. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will bring the church back alive again by his spiritual reign. Hallelujah. He's not going to just rain on a few. He's going to rain on the whole crop, the whole church. Some churches so dry they can't hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. But I can tell you, his servants are hearing it, not only hearing it, but looking for it. For some, it's going to happen immediately. For some, wait till you get home. Surprise, surprise. For some, wait till the mail runs this week. Wait till you get back to your job. Wait till your phone rings this week. Wait till you walk in the house of God next Sunday. Wait till he wakes you up tonight. You might want to sleep in a rain suit, some water boots, but God's, God's fixing to rain up on you. 
But little do you know, something good is about to happen. Regardless of your circumstances. You may feel beat down and you may feel ravaged, but the Holy Spirit like a rain is going to lift you back up and you're going to stand tall again and you're going to be healthy again. The spiritual drought is over. And I declare for someone tonight that's been looking for it, believing for it, receive it now in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I feel faith arising a little bit up in here now. Hallelujah. I hear, the, I hear the people of God beginning to believe once again. Hallelujah. 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 Whew. I feel Jesus. I said I feel Jesus. I feel like Jesus. Like the old song goes. I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus in this place. Yet my soul burns within me because I feel Jesus in this place. Most of y'all know that. I honestly, want you, I honestly want you to sing this with me one more time, only if you feel it. I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus in this place. Yes, my soul does burn within me because I feel Jesus in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. I feel the enemy lifting. I'll say it again. If I can only get this message into the heart of men and women and children, from the front row to the back row, that you're on the verge of something, that this church is on the verge of something good, that there's going to be an outpouring of his spirit, hallelujah, upon you and you and you and you. If you believe it, I want you to give him praise. I want to tell you something else tonight. You better get yours while the getting, getting is good. Until the church gets a hold of this, we can't run with it out there. And there's folks out there who need to know you got your breakthrough in here. Then they need to know that there's bread back in the house of God. You got a plan for it. Jehoshaphat sent the worshipers first and God ambushed their enemy. You got to pray for it. Elijah, when he prayed, the rain came. Not only did he see it, now the servants saw it as well. You got to praise for it. Paul and Silas, their praise set others free. Make sure you praise him till everyone in your house is free. And by faith, you got to believe for it. Expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Expectation brings demonstration. Yet to receive it, it takes participation. 
And some of you have not been moved by the Spirit in months or years. Because of the length of your waiting in your situations, you now have come to a place of a preconceived negative outcome of your situation. But little do you know that the latter rain shall be greater than the former rain. Though it tarry, it shall come to pass. I said, I see it. I see it. I see it. Get ready to run. Get ready to run. Get ready to run. I see it. I see it. Glory. Praise him, church. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let me tell you, until we're ready to obey the voice of God, ready to be obedient to his word, willing to trust the leadership, willing to go through the process, the preparation, and the progression, you will never see the vision. You see the servant going to look for it one time to seven times is progression in, in the process. He didn't stop after one time. He didn't quit on the third time. He didn't know how many times he was going to be commanded by the man of God to see, but he just kept seeking and kept pursuing. God has a vision for this church. We're all going to do, doing all we can as ministers to make this vision plain so that you can run with it. God just needs some folks who are willing to be servants of God's plan. Servants are obedient to him and his plan. Men and women who are ready to run with it to share the vision. I'm here to tell you there is an appointed time that God has been preparing for us, and it's going to come progressively, six steps and a sacrifice, to where by now we ought to be seeing the cloud that for now is only the size of a man's fist, but it's in sight. Close enough, we ought to be getting starting to get excited to be able to just get a glimpse of it. That means manifestation. Then demonstration is on the way. Hallelujah. If you don't see it yet, it's time to be obedient. Begin to look for it by faith. Faith, faith in God's promise and God's prophecy and the man of God who spoke it. Because until we see it from this front row to that back row, it's going to tarry. But though it tarry, it will come. Sadly, some are going to miss the experience. Honestly, some folks done run off the mountain a long time ago. Just because they didn't doesn't mean it's not going to happen for those who remain. I, I sense there are some who haven't left yet, but they're on the verge. Because all of your distractions and your afflictions and your circumstances, the weight has wearied you. It's wore you down. Down, to the point doubt has set in and you've been developing a preconceived negative outcome. It's not coming. I've heard this for 20 years. For me, things are never going to change. I've come through the prayer line after prayer line to pray. To, it's time to just to give up. Oh, no, it isn't. I preach to you by faith because I've seen the vision, though. It's not here. It's on the way. I tell you to hold on, hold on, hold on, because it's fixing the rain up in here exceedingly and abundantly above what we can even ask or think. And I've come to tell you, if you don't want to get wet, soaked in his presence, you better get off this mountain because I see a rain coming. Hallelujah. God wants everybody to see this vision and everybody to run with it. He wants you to be right here prepared and ready for the coming healing rain so that you can be a recipient of his manifestations and the demonstration of his presence. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. He's going to heal this land with his spirit. And it's going to be like a healing rain that will bring refreshing for his people. It's time to repent so the times of refreshing can come. Speaking of rain, something came back to my memory. I grew up on a very poor side of town. My parents struggled financially to raise us six kids. But I remember as a young boy, sometimes the summers would get so hot, especially in July and August, in that old house we lived in. 
We had no air conditioners in our home, just a fan we would put in the window. It would get so hot in the daytime. I remember, maybe me and you do too, my mom would wet sheets, hang them on the windows to try to help block out the sun and the heat from coming through. I can remember it being so hot and humid. At times, we would make a pallet on out on our front porch, and me and my brothers and my dad would sleep out on the front porch at night just to be a little bit cooler. And at times, we'd go for maybe weeks with no relief from the heat due to a lack of rains. But I remember when a rain would finally come after waiting and waiting. I had two brothers and three sisters. When one of us spotted a rain cloud, we would go running out inside, yelling and telling everyone, it's fixing to rain. And we would all run to the screen door so excited and look out the door waiting. Excited to the point that when it began to rain, we would bust out that door, running out into the rain, clothes and all, just to feel the relief of the heat and the dry season. And I can still remember to this day how refreshing it felt. We would run in it. We would we'd jump in it. We'd dance in it. We'd play in it all day long, soaked from head to toe because it felt so good because it had been so long. Well, how long has it been since you ran and danced and jumped in the rain? Or you're like some of the kids in our neighborhood. Not everyone came out and ran in it. Some just stayed in the house while we were out there running and jumping and enjoying the relief. Never knowing how much they were missing out on. Just wanted to stay in the house, bound by their staleness. For some, they had thought they were too old to be outside acting that way. Aren't you ready for once to just let go and be refreshed and feel free? I come to tell you, you're not a child anymore. Mama's not here to say, don't you go out there and get all wet. No, 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 no. You're now able to make your own decisions. This one's on you. So what are you going to do tonight? Sit and look out the window and watch all the other kids playing and having fun while you're locked up inside? Or are you going to bust out of your seat when it starts raining and run in the rain? Now let me relate that natural experience to the similarity of a spiritual experience. How long has it been since you responded like that to a spiritual rain? Just bust out of your seat and go running into his presence. How refreshing is that? After a long, dry season of unpleasant circumstances, many of you have been through. How many can remember the day you were burdened, overwhelmed in your circumstances? That the weight of the world was on your shoulders. You were plagued with guilt and shame, without hope, feeling dry and barren. But you heard about a man named Jesus who died for your sins and could make you whole again. So you knelt down and you asked him to forgive you of your sins, to be your Lord and Savior. And upon doing so, you began to feel the weight come off of your shoulders. You began to feel alive again as his blood came down like a rain and washed you white as snow. How refreshing was that moment? Can you remember rejoicing in it, crying and shouting and dancing and jumping? Why? Because it was so refreshing. It was like a rainy day in August after a long drought. How long, though, has it been since that day? Since you felt the presence of God like a refreshing rain. 
Come on. I'm asking you, where are you at? How long has it been since you've been refreshed? We're living in situations and days and times now like that. So many people are discouraged. So many people are depressed and oppressed, even in the house of God. But yet his spirit is here, and he's ready to reign. And there's a rain coming. I see it on the horizon. It's only about the size of a man's fist right now, but it's coming it's coming, and I'm asking you, how many of you, when the rain falls, are you going to come running, bust out, the, out of your seat, and come running into the presence of God and feel the refreshing of the Lord again? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what's fixing to happen is a prelude to the goalie worship of his spirit that's on his way, that God has appointed for the church for this dry and barren land, your dry and barren heart. Come on. If you believe what I'm preaching, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to lift up your hands to heaven. And I want you to lift your voices with praise. And I want you to cry out to God, let it rain, Lord. Let it rain, God. Let it rain, Lord. Let it rain, God. Let it rain, Lord. Let it rain. You've gone too far and you've waited for his rain too long to give up now. That rain is for an appointed time with God for a refreshing rain. And God has come tonight to get, tell you that I declare unto you, fret not. The latter rain is going to be greater than before. And the church is going to stand stronger than it's ever stood it's going to stand whole again healthy again and holy again we're not going to be in an anemic rundown church we're not the enemy's doormat no 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 the enemy is our footstool we might be tattered and barren to this point but this old ship of zion is about to sail again from here to the shores of heaven hallelujah where we will inherit the kingdom of god and like the pilgrims who discovered america heaven will be our home hallelujah 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 Little do you know, when you walked in them doors tonight, this Sunday night, we'd be different for you than any other Sunday night. Come on, musicians. Little did you know tonight that your life could turn around. You need to turn around? Come on down. Little did you know tonight was a night your healing could be found. I say, come on down. Come run in the rain. As they begin to come, lift up your hands to heaven hallelujah and i want you to begin to sing with me whether i'm on key or i'm off key let it rain let it rain open the floodgates of heaven come on you know it. let it rain let it rain open the floodgates of heaven come on can you bust out of your seat tonight and come down here in the presence of his reign and let god refresh you let god anoint you let god heal you are you ready to jump are you ready to dance are you ready to shout how long has it been you came first so god's gonna deal with you first healing healing virtue god Go ahead, John, sing it. Hallelujah. 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 It's a time of refreshing. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Let us hear. We feel the rain of your love. We feel the wind of your spirit. Now the heartbeat of heaven. Let us hear. 
feel the 